0: It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Daniel Gallon.
1: Okay, Penn State fans, the Blue White Breakdown podcast, Penn Live's Penn State football podcast. Try saying that five times real fast, Daniel. It's very confusing. I'm Bob Flounders, joined by Daniel Gallon. We are in Tampa, Florida, not that far from Raymond James Stadium. It is beautiful down here. The temperatures were supposed to be in the 80s all week. It has delivered. It's it's a little muggy just because we're not used to it, but it's great down here. A lot of the people on the Penn State beat we know are down here with us. Greg Pickle, former Penn Live sports manager, Penn State recruiting expert extraordinaire. He's here. Audrey Snyder's here. Our man Joe Hermits here. We saw Mark Brennan and Grace Brennan, both Philadelphia Eagle fans. Daniel Gallon. I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm willing to forgive them. But if, if Dallas beats them again during the regular season, they're going to hear a lot about it. Let's recenter this podcast, though, Daniel. We had a chance after Penn State practice. James Franklin uh, and Sam Pittman, the Arkansas head coach, were available for about 30-minute window. I thought there were some interesting comments by James Franklin, so let's get to them. I don't know where you want to stop, start. There was another, yet another Penn State opt-out on the defensive side. I'm not sure when opt-outs are ever going to stop. It might be just an op, opt-out a day. It's like the 12 days of Christmas or whatever it is. It's going to be like one every day until like two days after the Outback Bowl. I don't know who's next. Um, I, it was Derek Tangelo today. We could talk about that. But I thought there was some interesting news regarding Penn State's personnel for the Outback Bowl. There's a, a couple of young players we want to get to. Why don't we start, Daniel, With a couple of young Penn State linebackers that James Franklin said they're they're prepping to burn their red shirts. These two players have already played four games for Penn State this year. Two true freshmen. They're preparing to burn the red shirts. They're going to play a fifth game against Arkansas. What do you think about James Franklin's decision to do it? And and give the uh, fan base the names of these freshmen they need to know if they're going to watch the game on Saturday.
0: Yeah, so obviously James Franklin didn't want to divulge too much information uh, in the sake of uh, competitive advantage, <laughs> but, you know, reading between the lines. After all
1: the opt-outs, I think he just might want to let it fly. <laughs> if anything, I think he's, he knows what he's in for on Saturday, but the you're right.
0: Process of elimination, but Franklin said there are, he was asked specifically about the linebackers, and he yeah. said there's a couple young players that are at the at the four-game threshold that are going to play, and you go through the the (laughs) list of players on the team and there's only two freshmen (laughs) that are at that threshold. So Kobe King and Jamari Budden, Jamari Budden, they are apparently poised to play their fifth games of the year uh, on Saturday. That would mean that Mm -hmm. they're burning their red shirts, which means that they won't get that, have the opportunity to have that fifth year of eligibility. Franklin said that they had been kind of planning on red shirting both of them, um, their hands got forced a little bit with the Rutgers game. Uh, Budden played in that game. That was his fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kobe King had last played in the fifth game of the year uh, against Indiana. And so and with the opt outs of Ellis Brooks um, and Brandon Smith, there's not there wasn't a lot of depth <laughs> there to begin with. And so now it kind of forces their hand, throw these guys into action. Um, Franklin made sure to say that this isn't a unilateral decision. This isn't him, you know deciding by himself that we're going to burn these red shirts we're going to put these kids out there that it's a decision made in concert with the kids and um obviously they probably want to play but that's kind of where we are right now which is it's interesting some of our tech subscribers uh i was going through the the inbox today and they were a little curious about whether this would constitute a little bit of roster mismanagement Mm -hmm. given that you might've known earlier this year that Brooks and Smith could possibly opt out uh, and you know, the numbers there. And so should you have played Kobe King against Indiana? um, Should you have played Jamari Budden in one of those, those early games, which I think that those are kind of hindsight 2020. Obviously you plan for a lot of things. You try to plan for everything. I don't think James planned for the flu uh, issue against Rutgers and, Even then, with Ellis Brooks, I don't necessarily... He wasn't necessarily a a lock to opt out when you kind of projected forward. So, it's an interesting situation, but we highlighted these guys as depending on... Last night when we were talking, depending on their redshirt situation uh, Mm -hmm. as guys that could play big roles. And... We got a little bit of an answer about that today. I mean, where what do you kind of think about this kind of sequence the where we are now with with these guys getting their chance?
1: Well, and I I think uh, I can understand maybe some Penn State fans thinking that hey, this is you know this is on Franklin for not seeing into the future eight weeks you know ago. But I would almost argue the other way that in this day and age of the transfer portal and this day and age of young players wanting to play right away. If they're good enough to play, if they have a chance to play in, in a bowl game and they think they're good enough to play in the NFL and you hold them out when they want to play and their parents want them to play, that could just be a black mark against you moving forward. Uh, with regard, they could just, you just don't know what, what's on their minds. And, and James did make it clear that he did not make this decision for them. You know, they, the, he made it sound like, you know, both the parents and the kids were all in on wanting to play. I don't think you can I don't think you can fault Franklin or his staff as far as long range planning, especially regarding the opt out situation. And it almost kind of sounded listening to James talk about it this this uh, year. James is a big picture guy. He's a CEO. Right. But this is the first year he's ever had opt outs. And not only is it the first year he's ever had an opt out, he's had five or six of them. And. He said, you know, this hasn't caught him by surprise, but I have to think there was a point either in late November or early December and they're not even over yet. We don't even know what PJ Mustafa is going to decide. There still could be another player, I think, on the defensive side that might say, Hey, they are both running out of time. And that, and technically Mustafer would not be an opt out, but I'm just saying leaving school. I just wonder how, 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 wonder how big his eyes got when he, when he found out the sheer volume of players that were like, Hey, This is it for me. Seven and five the last five of the last seven. Going to give the NFL a shot. I think maybe Brandon Smith and I think probably Ellis. Well, Ellis Brooks was done anyway. I don't think. Could he have come back for a sixth year? Yeah, he could have come back. That's a a lot of time. That's a lot of linebacker play, though, if you want to play in the NFL. I think I don't think I think James had an idea. He was going to lose some guys, but I just don't think he knew, you know, there were going to be this many of them. So I wouldn't be too hard on James Franklin. But I think now the linebacker picture for the Outback Bowl, Daniel, is coming into focus because, you know, at the start of the week, I was like, I don't really know if they can have a two-deep at linebacker, quite frankly. And they're facing an Arkansas team that runs for an average of 217 yards per game. But if you start with Curtis Jacobs, you include the two true freshmen, Buden and King. And now you're talking about Charlie Catcher if he's healthy. Jesse Lucetta who's got plenty of linebacker experience in his background. Jonathan Sutherland, who has been who began the year as a safety, has probably been working exclusively at, I think, it was the Sam position that Curtis Jacobs plays uh, for this game. So he is another linebacker. And then Tyler Elsden, as long as he's healthy, I think he would be another guy. So now I think the good news, Daniel, is Penn State probably does have enough linebackers. They're not experienced, but they have enough physical body types to play linebacker. On the other hand, when you look now at the defensive line with Jesse Lucchetta probably playing most of the game at linebacker and you look at Derek Tangelo's decision to not play in the game, I don't know. You don't. I don't think you have a two deep or eight defensive lineman that you can really play in this game. If you do play eight of them, I don't know what kind of level of play you're going to get. The defensive line now for me becomes a big problem.
0: Yeah, I think the defensive line, it's going to be kind of held together with, with tape and a little bit of hope yeah. uh, in certain spots. Um, obviously, you're asking a lot out of some of these guys, because uh, I, Is there Devon Ellis, yeah. both of whom have played really well. But Tangelo, down the stretch after yeah. he got hurt, had just was just playing at, at such yeah. a high level and was just impressing in just a really, really good way um, that... It's it's a pretty big loss. I mean, I think that when bowl season started, he wasn't necessarily someone that you kind of had penciled in as definitely, uh, you know, in on the same tier as Smith, Brooks, uh, Brisker, Dotson, Evokidi, like mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. But you know, that's just kind of how the how the game is. He wants to give it a go um, in the NFL, and the easiest way to to do that is to get a head start. You got to start early and you got to be ready to go um, when it comes to training. So I think that that's kind of where we are at, at this point in time on Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> uh, we had talked yesterday and we focused a lot on the opt outs and that was after Epiketti, uh announced. Now
1: yeah. like, 24
0: hours after that, Derek Tangelo uh, announces, but I think that what Franklin said is uh, pretty true. And this is kind of what, what I thought that, they're not surprised by these announcements and that the timing has more to do with when either the program or the kid wants to announce as opposed to when he actually made his decision. Um, and I think that that's something that I think was, was good for Franklin to, to communicate um, and kind of actually get out there at this point.
1: I almost think that whether the Penn state fan base likes it or not, whether the college football world is ready or not, all the cards, all the time It might be Fatuma all the time <laughs> in the Outback Bowl. There, I don't see. He's, he's a Susquehanna Township graduate, super strong, a raw player at Susquehanna Township, which is in the suburbs of Harrisburg. One of my buddies, coaches on uh, on the staff. He's been he's been telling me about this kid for two or three years. Penn State liked him, but he's raw. But I just think that you know, if you're gonna play four defensive tackles against a team that wants to run the ball as much as Arkansas. I think he's got number 55, I believe. He's got to right. be in the game. So if you're looking for a super sleeper to win the day for Penn State, uh, maybe, maybe make on a defensive stand, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but maybe Fatuma Moba. Maybe just think about that name. He's got a great name, great kid. In his second year, well, technically last year was a pandemic year, so really it's just his first year. A name to remember, Fatuma MOBA. But yeah, that defensive tackle picture, boy, I don't I just don't know. Uh they're 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 very low on bodies. And I think that uh if you're Arkansas's offensive coordinator and you're the Arkansas running back in the Arkansas running back room and you're the Arkansas offensive line and you're that running quarterback, I mean, I think you just say, look, we're gonna have about 70 snaps in this game. I think sixty of them probably. Let's just run the ball. And even if we don't it doesn't work early, I think by the third quarter, these guys are gonna be in trouble depth wise. So uh I don't know. Anything can happen. If Penn State had a running game, maybe they where they could hold onto the ball, maybe I'd feel better, but I don't think they have that. Let's talk about another position change that Penn State fans can look for uh in the outback bowl, Daniel. It involves the offensive line. So I think Penn State fans our ears are going to go up, and they're hopeful. <laughs> they're really hopeful that, hey, there's nowhere to go but up. But Rasheed Walker did not play the final two games of the regular season for Penn State. Left tackle, returning starter, and he is does not looking like he's going to play in the Outback Bowl. There was a photo on Lions 247. On the team arrival, he was hobbling on crutches pretty good. I just immediately associated Landon Tangwall. Or t- I would, If you would have told me this two weeks ago, I'd say, hey, Landon Tangwall, going to have a huge role. He still might, but there's another Penn State offensive lineman that's getting ready to start according to James Franklin against the Razorbacks. Go.
0: Yeah, and that would be Olu Fashanu, uh who is yeah. a a redshirt freshman and I think that when you look at the offensive line, these are the these are the guys that you want to see, the redshirt freshmen and the redshirt sophomores because we all know that in terms of the adjustment to the to the college game, developing your body, making those changes mm-hmm. It takes a lot of time uh, on the offensive line, and so a lot of people were asking with with this group of class of twenty twenty two guys coming in, which of these guys can contribute right away? Wh- which ones you know, which ones going to be seen on the field? That this offensive line needs help. Uh, the answer is probably none of these guys are going to contribute, <laughs> but you're going to want to look at the guys like Fishanu, like Golden Israel Achumba, like Landon <laughs> Tangwall, who have had time in the program and can kind of build on that. And spin that forward. So I think that uh, Fashanu, we talked about him a little bit uh, last night. You're not as keen on the Rasheed Walker endorsement uh, that he got as yeah. um, as some of the rest of us. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But he's another big body, six foot six, 313 pounds.
1: Maryland guy, yep. which I mean, appeals to you.
0: Waldorf, Maryland, same hometown as Rashid Walker.
1: Uh, uh, and okay he, now I get it
0: and he played at uh, Gonzaga which is a, a pretty big program in DC mm-hmm. um, that plays in the WCAC so he's gone against the Dematha guys the good council guys there's there's a high level of competition there so I think that Fashanu is someone who mm-hmm. has gotten mentioned here and there I think Walker kind of putting his name out there obviously prompted Franklin to get asked Phil Troutwine to get asked and and they were complimentary of him so He's a redshirt so he had all of last year, despite the the pandemic nature of it, to to get adjusted to work on his body. And now he'll get the chance, uh, it seems, uh, to go at left tackle against an SEC defensive line.
1: This is the Blue White Breakdown.
0: Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours.
1: We're going to press on here on the Blue White Breakdown podcast. Bob Flounders, Daniel Gallen. We're in a Tampa Bay hotel room trying to get, we were trying to get optimum sound out here. because Daniel, I'll tell you right now, if I go outside, by the bar, and we try and do this podcast. I'm gonna try and drink like seven beers in the 24 minutes we're allotted to do it. But I'm trying to be a professional, so we're staying indoors at least until this podcast is over. Let's spin real quick the Penn State o line wheel for Saturday. Okay. All right. So we're, we're gonna assume Rasheed Walker out at left tackle. Olu is in at left tackle. So we got one position settled. Five, I got five more names on my list of guys who could play or start in the game. I think you you and I could come to the same five names. But what, let's let's go let's go back and forth with what you think the offensive line might look like. Olu's the left tackle. So let's go from let's go left to right. So who do you got at left guard on Saturday against the Razorbacks?
0: I think it would be Eric
1: Wilson. I didn't even have him on my left. You didn't, nice.
0: didn't even have him on Well,
1: I okay. I I'll, 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 I'll give you my, my my thinking for that. He is clearly going to play in the game. Okay, then who do you have at center? Juice Scruggs. All right. So, what does that mean for Mike Miranda? Who's I think when he wasn't the starting center, was he playing right guard? I thought he was playing left guard. Maybe he's going to be he's going to be your right guard.
0: Right guard. I think that it'll be Scruggs at center, and then Miranda at one of the guard spots.
1: Okay. All right. So, does Bryce Efner fit into the starting picture now that Caden Wallace? He played against Michigan State I think. So, yeah, yeah. are you thinking are you thinking Efner comes off the bench? Yes, All I right. think
0: Efner would once again.
1: Poor Bryce. Once poor, again be the poor Bryce. the number
0: 6 uh, offensive line. And that
1: means old Landon Tangwall, who's not that old, is the other guy coming in off the bench. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a pretty sound seven. I would, I, you know, here's what I would think though. This is it for Eric Wilson. And if you're really trying to get ready for next year, Maybe Eric Wilson comes in off the bench and one of those other guys gets the start. Like, what about old Bryce Effner getting the start with an eye towards next year? Does it really matter? Is there that big of a difference between Wilson and Efner? I just thought maybe, maybe that would be the way I go. And if it looks like he's getting pushed around, then you go back to Wilson.
0: I think, I also think bringing up Tangwall, he slipped my mind momentarily, but mm-hmm. I think that he'll be an interesting interesting guy to watch where they play him, how they rotate things around, because they've talked about how they see him as an, an inside out kind of guy in terms of that. He can play guard and tackle Um, Mm -hmm. the only times we've seen him have been at left tackle and right tackle um, in these games. But I think that if they do try to rotate, if they do try Mm -hmm. to change things up a little bit, give guys experience, I think that Tangwall at one of the guard spots um, would not be a surprise. And I think that that would be, a, a pretty interesting way to to mix things up and just kind of mm. show something different.
1: So we we are going to take Franklin at word when he said, Olu, he didn't really come right out and say it, but it looked like Olu was on track to start in the Rutgers game. Mm-hmm. Cause he said they had had, they were dealing with, I think the flu and some other things, but he said he was hurt. So if that's true, it very, cause I know he played earlier in the year. So it just, it's, you know, they had three returning starters they had you, Scruggs, who was at the, at the senior – at the banquet at the end of the – he got the – he was the most improved offensive lineman or the, the top offensive lineman, and he was a reserve. Mm-hmm. So you have Landon Tagwall, You have Olu. You have Wilson. But do you remember, you know, about halfway through the season when he said, had this kid not gotten hurt, Salim Worley was going to start. Do you mm-hmm. remember he said that? So. I just want – like, I feel like he's throwing out too many names there for potential starters, giving the state of the offensive line with Bryce Effner. I'm not saying he's using that as an excuse for the offensive line play, but I just wonder how – if if they really were looking at Wormley as a starter and was Olu really going to get the start against Rutgers. Do you know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's mentioned, like, nine potential starters on the offensive line, and it's been the sorest spot, I think, on the team. How do you – when he says guys were getting ready to start, do you always believe him? Well, I think that
0: Wormley was, was in the mix for that yeah. left guard competition. Um, I think that maybe at the start of the year, instead of being a Wigan-Wilson rotation, <laughs> it would have been a Wormley-Wilson okay. uh, rotation, and that Wormley and Wilson would have you know fought that out. And It seems like Wormley had a legitimate shot at, at being the guy at left guard. Right. Um, and then as, when it comes to saying that Fashanu might start and, and us not seeing him, I think that he is, I think given his body type, he is a, a tackle, whereas Efner, sure. uh, is, yeah, more 65, 305, a, a little bit more stout, not as much yeah. length. Obviously, he played tackle and he played, and he's played everywhere except center this year on the line. So I think that with Efner, it's more versatility. So he could be, he could be the first guy off the bench. But you know, I do think with Fashanu, it's interesting to see kind of how he's made the strides in the development so that. So that he got to the point where supposedly in the Rutgers game mm-hmm. he was going to start. You know how he kind of came along um, in that in that way because we have seen guys come along uh, this year, not necessarily in front of our eyes, but right. behind the scenes. I mean, <clears throat> Christian Bayou ascending to the number two quarterback spot and then mm-hmm. coming in against Rutgers as a true freshman. I think that that's a, a tangible example of how someone can come along, even if we kind of have to. Take it with a little bit of grain of salt because a lot of it happened behind the scenes. So, and obviously with offensive line, I take everything with a grain of salt because it's Mm -hmm. so complex. It's so, there's so much to playing the position where you have to have all five guys in sync. If one little thing goes wrong, the whole thing can collapse. Um, And I think that that's kind of another reason why. Uh, we didn't necessarily see wholesale changes on the line because this year because that's really hard to do when there's so much chemistry dependent on it. I mean, I always think about when I covered the Eagles, the big mm-hmm. philosophy is that obviously they had guys in the starting lineup who could play multiple positions, but the theory was that if someone got hurt and someone had to leave the game – you would just do a one for one swap mm-hmm. for if the left tackle left, you put someone new in at left tackle. You didn't move right. the right tackle right, to left right. tackle because that's two new, new people on the line technically, instead of just one. So you want to keep the chemistry and keep the the moving pieces to a minimum. And, and that's a philosophy that's kind of stuck with me. Um, obviously Penn state does things a little bit differently. Um, and I think part of that has to do with the number of players. They were comfortable playing this year uh, in terms of, Efner moving all over the place in that Rutgers game. Uh, Tangwall move, switching sides. Um, so it's it's an interesting
1: position group.
0: And I think that it's one that when Penn State fans think about this year, it's one that's going to stand out uh, in the negative.
1: Yes, Daniel, because the numbers, the numbers that are going to stick with this group, 3.1, that was the average yards per carry Oof. of Penn State running backs. And I think the number was 23 sacks allowed in the regular season, which tied... I think Iowa might have allowed one more, but they gave up about 75 to Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. But they were, I think Penn State, before the Big Ten title game, had allowed the most sacks in the Big Ten. And that's usually on the offensive line. Although, you know, once in a while our guy Sean Clifford would hold on to the ball too long. One more thing to get to here on the Blue White Podcast breakdown, blue white breakdown podcast. I'm I'm thinking about happy hour. I am. We have one more coming up, but I thought it was interesting when Sam Pittman was asked a question and it was, it was from somebody who covers Arkansas. It was late. It was late in the uh, press conference. And I'm going to paraphrase here. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think one of the linebackers for Arkansas, it was the guy that was <clears throat> a finalist for the Burlsworth. I think his name was Glenn. I can't remember his last name. He was talking, he was praising the play of Penn state's tight end group. And the reporter asked in so many words, what is it that to you stands out about the tight end group? And he started to talk about the tight end group, and then out of the blue, he just sung the praises of Kevon Lee. Now, my question for you: This is going to be like a trivia game because it's your first year on the beat. Mm-hmm. This isn't a James Franklin question, but when you hear that, and the and the and the uh, person that's being asked the question immediately changes the subject and goes to another position group that underachieved, but the runner himself, Kevon Lee, who he singled out, was clearly a stud to all of us. Does that say more about him just being impressed by Kevon Lee, who didn't really carry the ball until the final three games of the regular season? Or did he really not really want to talk about Penn State's tight end group as maybe a good group?
0: That's an interesting way to look at it. Um, because I mean,
1: I've had it with the tight end group, because I just think that after James set the high bar in Indianapolis, they had their moments early, but I just didn't see the development. Yeah, I mean, I kind of interpreted that as
0: Sam Pittman is... The CEO. Yeah. He's the he has a lot of things going on. Obviously, he knows what is going on with Penn State, uh, in kind of the the big picture. But I kind of interpreted that as, well, I don't necessarily have the, yeah. the expertise to they to didn't speak really on jump out to
1: that. me on film, but you know but, who did? That big mm-hmm. running back.
0: And with with him singling out Lee in uh in particular, I mean Sam Fitman's a former offensive line coach. Yeah. He's he's kind of brought that attitude. Uh, to Arkansas and Keevan Lee, I think is kind of.
1: He would like to have team. him on his team. Yeah.
0: It's, it's his type of running back. Um, and I did think that was interesting. I, I kind of, I sort of zoned out a little bit on that sure. question. And then when he changed, when he kind of pivoted to Keevan Lee, yeah. I kind of. Got back in, and I think it kind of got James's
1: attention too. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you know, he is a good player. And I was like, well, Damn. James, why did he only carry fifty six times in the first nine games of the regular season, or whatever it was?
0: I thought, I thought they had good chemistry as as two two coaches on the they podium. Did. They were. It took a little bit to, I think, loosen up a little bit. Um, but once they did, it was pretty entertaining. And I, I don't know. I kind of felt like we came away with a little bit more. I was pleasantly I was
1: surprised. We, we got more nuggets of legit news. Than I expected. Because usually these things, it's 30 minutes, 15 minutes of filibustering with opening statements and then tap dancing around some questions. Don't want to give too much away. But we got enough, I think. We got more than enough from James. We got a lot from the Arkansas head coach in this specific edition of the Blue White Breakdown podcast, which, you know, I think you guys know, we try and give out nothing but legit info. We still have one more to go, Daniel. Already. These Nuggets, Olu in at left tackle, Rasheed Walker limping around. We didn't have the picture. Uh, Our friend Mark Brennan and Grace Brennan, his daughter, had the picture. But Rasheed looks like he's out. Jamari Budin, I think it's Budin, not Budin. I'm not sure. Off to check the pronunciation. Yeah, Kobe King, Kalen Kalen King's twin brother, a linebacker. Those linebackers are getting ready to burn their red shirts for the good of dear old state in this game against the Arkansas running game. Derek Tangelo, out of the picture. He did a great job as the Duke transfer defensive tackle. He's getting ready for the NFL. If you're a Penn State fan, you should thank him, just like Arnold Ebiketti. Wish him well. Kivon Lee has the attention. It only took Pittman, like, watching an hour of film to say, hey, man, that guy's really good. And we're watching a season's worth of Penn State games of them running nowhere fast, going, when are they going to give Kivon Kee- Lee the ball? We had to wait, like, 9 games before they actually gave him double digit carries I think 3 games in a row. So I, I just want to I just don't like the look of how that played out if you're and I wouldn't if I was a Penn State fan I wouldn't like that either. We talked about the dirt the dearth, that's the right word, of defensive tackles. Linebacker looks better and we played kind of like offensive line Russian roulette with who might start for Penn State with Oluwat left tackle. Neither one of us agreed on the starting five, but I think Daniel probably had it much closer. Than I did because I just kind of forgot about Eric Wilson. I just think the transfer, unless he's that much better than the other guys, I think you give the other guys a shot if they're coming back next year. Daniel, any parting thoughts for the Penn State fan base that is listening on our hanging on our every word here on the second of three Blue White breakdown podcasts?
0: No, I think we've I think we've had a lot to cover and I think we've covered it and now we're one one podcast closer to locking in these picks. Uh, I filed nine this afternoon yeah. and I think that on our last of the three i think that's going to be a a pretty good talking point for us
1: yeah and as as we look at the as the big at the big clock in the sky we're 30 minutes into this podcast and we are 50 minutes officially away from happy hour and 80 degree temperature so what i'm trying to say to you guys is we'll be back soon with our final thoughts on penn state arkansas but it's time for us to get on to bigger and better things in florida
0: this has been the blue white breakdown brought to you by pen
1: live.